We have got a great interview for you today. I am working with Brian Baisley, who is the CEO and founder of Driver Seat. It's a really unique transportation industry opportunity in franchising. You're not going to want to miss this. This is the Franchise Pitfalls and Profit Show. Each week, we bring you the challenges and triumphs of being in the franchise development and consulting business. The things you need to make money faster. And now your host, one of the most successful franchise developers in North America, Don Shin. All right, uh, Brian, welcome. I'm excited to have you on the show. Hey, Your Don. background and experience going all across North America and a really, really cool, uh, really, really cool business model. Uh, we're we're just really, really excited, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show with me today. Yeah, listen, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You bet. You bet. Hey, I'm going to uh, just introduce you real quick and then you can build on it if you want for a second or two. But let everybody know that, uh, again, uh, Brian is the CEO and co-founder uh, a franchise in the transportation comp uh, industry. Uh, been in business uh, since 2012. Uh, you focus on uh, the franchisee's success. I love to hear that. Uh, and growth and development of your teams. Uh, you're based out of Canada, but you're all over. You're all over North America. You're an award-winning franchise. We love to get people that know what they're doing. So, award-winning franchise, top ratings by your franchisees. Um, under your leadership, you've grown across North America, and you're opening. If I got this right, you're opening a location every five days. And I'm going to shut up after that. That's a that's a great start. So. Anything to add to that or you want to tweak that at all, uh, Brian, please, uh, 30 seconds, a minute or so, and then we'll dive into some Q&A. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 been a uh, it's, it's been a wonderful run and, and uh, we've got so much to be thankful for. But uh, the growth right now, both um, at the franchisees revenue level uh, and with with the growth of new units is just it's, it's really outstanding. So. We're having some fun with it. It's uh, we're kind of bursting at the seams at the office. Uh, there's uh, in the op the office I occupy. There's five of us in that one office at this point because we're just uh, literally out of space. But uh, th those are good problems to have. But uh, this is all about um, really a couple of things. It's all about having some fun and developing some great franchise partners, uh, and all about uh, being part of their journey of success. And so that's that's the part we're passionate about, and that's that's what gets us up in the morning and has us want to get to work early. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I love that franchisors don't just talk about their growth uh, in units and 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 how many more uh, storefronts or units they're opening. I love that franchisors, or I love the, the franchisors that look at your franchise partners' growth uh, and their revenue growths. Uh, when I was a master franchisee, that was the award. Uh, we Our top awards were always given on on franchise sure. development and growth there, but also how well are your franchise partners doing? So, so I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're one of those uh, those those franchisors. Uh, yeah, we're fi we're fixated on that for sure. Um, the first question I've got for you, uh, Brian, is that um, uh, you know when you were contemplating starting a franchise or turning your business into a franchise, what was your vision? And then uh, you've been in business 10, 10 plus years. Has it changed at all? Yeah, uh, two, two great questions. Actually, we've been in business just under the 10 year mark. We're going to be celebrating 10, 10 years next month. Um, and um, uh, this is a really uh, odd and reverse story. We decided to, and when I say we, it's my brother and I who co founded the business together. 
we decided to build a franchise because we wanted to work with really bright franchise partners and people who are entrepreneurial and wanted to build a good business for them and their family. And then we said, okay, now what, what, indus- what industry should we do? And what business should we do? Oh, wow. Um, and so um, I think in my, in my business school days, uh, uh, every professor would have told me that's not the way to build a good business, <laughs> uh, but, but we don't care. Um, and so uh, we literally spent uh, just under 12 months determining uh, what was going to make us happy, the types of uh, types of things that, that we wanted to do. And it actually wasn't tied to the service at all. It was actually just tied to um, our governance and our, our core values and what we wanted to do. And so we decided we wanted to do something that was a little bit out of the ordinary, something that wasn't a Me Too business. We wanted to do something where we could uh, positively benefit the community. We wanted something that was uh, scalable for our franchise partners um, and something that we could scale out for, for our team here at the office. Um, and uh, so, so the driver's seat business was born. Not, neither one of us had operated a transportation business before. Okay. Uh, we'd never operated, never worked in the transportation business before. Uh, but that's how we kind of developed and, and built out that business. Uh, we then launched a single location that my, my brother uh, opened and um, started to head up, hired a bunch of chauffeurs, started running the business. And three months later, we franchised that to wow. uh, our very first ever chauffeur. Uh, and he went on to open the second location. Then we continued to open locations and, and franchise them. And, and now here we are. He's relocated to, to Kitchener Waterloo, which is where our office is. Uh, relocated there a short time after we started opening. Uh, and we started uh, franchising out the, the business to others. So, so yeah, it's a little, a little bit reverse, perhaps, as to... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I usually counsel people. I, I say when you're looking at the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure document, I, I, I say... Look for two, at, at least one of two uh, experience bases in the in the ownership. Yeah. Do they have that their industry experience, and then do they have franchise experience? So, yeah. you're killing me with one. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I had a lot of franchise experience. I, I came from a, a corporate business background, but uh, when I, I decided uh, as a as a corporate executive in my 30s, I decided I wanted to work locally. Um, I decided to open up a uh, franchise, which I did. I then became oh, good, good. involved okay. in, in franchising for a number of years. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just a, a different approach to it. And then, you know, our, um, our original uh, business concept that we turned into an actual business was to chauffeur people. So uh, th- this was really kind of a designated driving, sending a chauffeur out to drive a customer's car for them. And oh, okay. uh, that's how we launched the business knowing we'd want to move into the shuttle business, which is, you know, mid-sized commercial shuttle vans and, and driving people that way. And, uh, but the, the shuttle business was very highly regulated. We had no experience in it. Uh, and um, so we, we thought we'd better launch the chauffeur piece first. Uh, we launched every franchise with a van uh, for marketing purposes, but also because we knew when we when flip that switch, we needed to start to build out fleets of vehicles. And so, yes, the, the business has changed a lot. Um, heading into uh, 2015, 2016, we started doing shuttling. Um, into 2017, 2018, we became a really big shuttle player. Um, and then through COVID, um, the shuttle business uh, absolutely exploded. We did a ton okay. of, of business revenue and growth, uh, but the chauffeur business did not, of course, right? Yeah. Because people didn't want others in their car. And so um, we are essentially a shuttle brand. We do a little bit of chauffeuring still, but we're essentially a shuttle brand. And most of the growth is, is actually tied into our shuttle business. So uh, doing things like weddings and, and airport runs and charter tours. Awesome. Awesome. So you mentioned uh, regulations and and I, I would assume even here in the States, you know, 50 states 
you, you're you, you're going to get some differences there. But um, were there any other uh, challenges? What, what what did you you know as you started to franchise? What was maybe one of your top couple of challenges? Because uh, again, we have um, uh, our audience is emerging brands founders like yourself ten years ago, and and uh, if I can help them avoid you know some of the some of the pitfalls and the problems. Uh, so what were some of the challenges that you maybe faced? Well, well listen, Don, for, for, for your audience, I mean, I, I could write a book on the mistakes we've made. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think, um, so uh, I think like many, we underestimated the, the, uh, the cost of what we uh, were going to have to invest into the business in order to, to really get it to profitability quickly uh, and get the franchisees to profitability. Um, we self-funded this business, and to date, we still haven't taken a, a penny of investment money. There's lots of people banging on the door, of course, but we haven't done that. And so um, that creates its own set of challenges. It's 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 a good problem to have because it means you are able to self-fund, and the balance sheet looks really good as a franchisor. Yeah. But, um, you know, the the I think it, most of the people I talk to, I'm sure the most people you talk to, might not understand the scope and the the amount of investment they need to, to put in in order to actually build out the proper support network. And so... Um, we, we, we certainly made that error. Uh, and that included things like technology, because when we first started, uh, the chauffeurs were out uh, with paper receipts and uh, <laughs> collecting cash and putting it into an envelope and, and this type of thing. And and so we had to build a mobile app, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, even 10 years ago, that was super important. And so we built a very rudimentary, very basic uh, mobile app, which looked really, really pretty to the customer. But it was actually that was lipstick on a pig because the back end was just simply texting us and we had to <laughs> write down stuff and put it onto an Excel sheet. Um, and so so I think uh, from from a mistake standpoint, especially for an emerging uh, franchise or um, I would say that we made the mistake of, of not understanding completely all the funding that was required. We recovered quickly from that and we were able to invest some, uh, some additional monies, uh, but not everyone has the luxury of being able to do that. Um, right. And I and I would say the mistake that we we didn't make, but uh, we could have done better with it. A lot of franchisors make. I think we, we just have to be so so fixated on the franchisees' top line revenue, um, yeah. and we don't yeah. we don't uh, have one morning at this office where we're not talking about that. We don't have one. Uh, we listen. We, we celebrate every sale. Uh, there's a crazy big bell that goes on here, and when when franchisees land a new customer, a new contract, etc., we're 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 ringing the bell. Uh, we have franchise owners that have landed seven-figure contracts, uh, wow. so big, big, big contracts, and we celebrate those ones. Of course, those are just such a such a great turning point for this business. Uh, but we have other ones who've landed something that might be very special. It might be a smaller sale, but it might be a, a child with anxiety problems hmm. who our chauffeurs are able to help get to school and. And so we like to celebrate those things too. There might not be the same level of money in it, uh, but it's still a big sale. And, and we just have to keep 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 always celebrating the wins, yep. right? We have to celebrate their revenue. We have to celebrate their wins. Uh, yeah. We, and we and we celebrate the earliest sale in the history of a franchise, the greatest amount of revenue before they open the doors, because we always create revenue before yeah. they open the doors. Um, so we celebrate all of those things, and, and and we're known to be a little bit goofy and a little bit funny <laughs> with it. And so. There's no shortage of, of crazy videos of us doing stuff at the office. I, I, I love your, uh, yeah, I follow you. Uh, I love your posts and things, uh, <laughs> LinkedIn and stuff. So yeah, this folks that are watching, this is, this is definitely a, a, a culture that, uh, that likes to have fun. And, and I, you said that earlier, uh, 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 and, and I think, um, I think a lot of new, uh, not a lot, so, some new, uh, emerging brands, don't think that much about establishing a, mm -hmm. a, a culture 
in 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 particular in who they're selecting in the early in the early days and being sure that you get as I like to call them real uh, real brand ambassadors for you you know your first dozen franchises uh, you want them to be excited people that because they're going to be your first validators as you as you sell the franchise so you said a couple of other things that were really important to me that does come up when I'm interviewing uh, founders and that is the capitalization of your franchise the monies that you need it to, to make you know to go to market. And um, that does come up. And I'm just curious if you had a number or a thought on a number um, that uh, that it ended up costing you, you, you know, once you went, you looked back and figured it, you know, added it all up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I, I think it's, it's definitely different for, for everybody. Every franchise will, will have a different level of investment. Um, we uh, we were at the time we still are fixated on ex extraordinary efficiency and so we try not to, to waste dollars or time or resources on on anything um, and so our marketing spend is is very efficient our our, um, our spend on resources is very efficient um, we utilize software and technology wherever possible in order to, to replace something that might be a, a bit more expensive so I think it certainly is uh, you know it's going to be different for, for every group we launched in the U.S. Uh, many years into our, our uh, launch for, for, of driver's seat. Uh, the U.S. is more expensive to franchise in, for sure. It's, mm. a, it's a bigger market, but uh, um, you know, having to uh, register in, in several of the states and then file in those states, et cetera, it just created its own level of complexity that way. And then, of course, the accounting practices in, in the U.S. Are, are that much different. So we're super glad we did it. It was, it was a, the right thing for us to do. Um, I wish we hadn't done it just before the pandemic. We should have probably. Yeah, yeah. But but that but that's okay. Um, so so yeah, I think the um, a lot of it's going to be tied to if you take a look at there's a, the legal aspect, there's the technology aspect, and then there's the cost of support. Yep. And yep. Uh, we were able to um, perhaps minimize the cost of support um, through a couple of means. One is again we just stayed ultra efficient in what we did from that standpoint. Uh, but the second thing was uh, I owned other businesses and we were able to use shared resources. So mm, some of our mm, legal administrative nice. that. We're, you know, we, we, we could we could do that. So our number probably isn't as clear or, or crisp or, or clean or concise as um, as others might be. Uh, but I think for any franchise or you, you have to look at the technology spend. It's always going to cost more than you think it's going to cost. Um, the legal spend is, is just super, super critical. Um, and you want to set up your franchisees for success. Okay. And what that actually means is making sure that you're set up for success and you're not you're not being held in some sort of litigation or other challenges around your franchise disclosure documents. And so they can be expensive and you just need to spend the money on that. Um, yep. And then the third piece is around support and the support bodies. And so um, it's pretty simple with, with five to 10 franchise uh, locations. It's pretty simple to support them as a founder or a couple of co-founders and, and perhaps an admin person. Yep. But as, as time goes on, you've got to be prepared to, to, to um, you know, grow that piece of it. And, and I think Don, you probably have heard, you know, there's lots of, generic numbers because everyone's are different but you know being at 70 locations 75 locations often means royalty self-sufficiency um and and it, it's an interesting number because you know it's going to vary from from uh you know business unit to business unit uh but that's it's a, it's a good number to use it's a good number yep. to look at uh which which kind of means you know you got to look at how long it takes to get there yeah uh, yeah there's not there's not a lot of franchise unit uh companies as you know there are over 100 Right. That's right. Yeah, I think it's like ninety six percent or something. Ninety two percent are not over over a hundred. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And so, so yeah. then when you start to think about it, you think, well, that means the majority of them don't ever make royalty self sufficiency, which means they're relying on other things. 
And so I think uh, having perspective around that and understanding those stats is pretty important. Yep. Yep. That's great. That's great. Um, you, you've emphasized the technology, which is another thing that I, I tell people uh, to look at. If, if I'm if I'm working with a with a private client as a consultant or a broker, I'll uh, that's one of the things I have them look at. So I, I think you're brilliant that you're it's brilliant that you're that you're doing that, because I always I use the uh, General Motors uh uh, the old the old Oldsmobile commercial uh, that used to say, you know, it's not your grandfather's Oldsmobile, you know, when Oldsmobile was trying to rebrand themselves. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. If you're looking if you're looking at a franchise concept that that is not focused on using technology in their model, then you're buying your grandfather's <laughs> franchise, so to speak. I love and that. Um, I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's brilliant. Um Let's let me shift gears a little bit. Let me just do this before I forget to do this quick, uh, so that people know how to reach you, Brian. Um, talk about uh, some of the highlights. Uh, you know what? What you know as you as you look at your business over the last almost ten years, what do you think were some of the you know just the big moments, the success, the success and highlight moments? Oh man, uh, I, I don't. Can we do this in twenty five minutes? I don't. <laughs> there's just, there's so many exciting things and and. I mean, I, I'll start with uh, I'll start with the fact that every single year we have won uh, uh, recognition with the Canadian Franchise Association as being one of the top support brands uh, in in Canada. And when I say that that's a highlight, it's because th this is a, um, a statistically valid system and approach of, of right. franchisees voting on on the franchisor. Um, and every time we receive that, it's just this this huge like pat in the back that we don't need, but it's, it's so exciting for the staff. It just shows that we're, we're doing all that we need to do. Uh, and then in 2019, we won the top franchise or in Canada award. Uh, in 2021, we won that one again. Uh, but in 2020, uh, interesting enough, we won the award for being the top uh, diversity and inclusion brand. And oh, wow. uh, it was a really big moment for us because uh, it's such an important, it's always been such an important piece, but uh, in today's world with, with some of the, the, the crazy news that's go, go, that goes on, um, having organizations which are, are leaders and, and stewards with respect to diversity and inclusion um, is just so, so, so important. And so uh, we took a lot of pride in that, not from a standpoint of what we did, but really what the whole team as, as a group did, because mm -hmm. it, it, it took a team to make that happen. Um, and so uh, we are proud of, of those accomplishments as a, as a group because it, it, it takes the entire group in order to do that. And our team gets super excited, including our, our head office support team and our franchisees. Uh, but there's been a couple of other really fun moments. Um, you know, one of the things that we focus on is uh, personal development, uh, mm -hmm. both of our, our head office support team and of our franchisees. And, um, you know, I believe it, it, it part of our role in this journey of just working together to, to help people just you know, become better at something, right? And mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I've yeah. certainly become better at lots of things by working with with interesting individuals. And so we had a, a franchise owner, uh, and and one of the things that she had said to me uh, was, "I'm very nervous about speaking in front of people." She says, "I don't know how you get up there and you talk in front of large groups of people." And I said, "Well, can, can we can we work on that together?" And she said, "I, I don't think I'd want to." I said, "Well, I think you want to, but you may be afraid to." And long story short, we spent uh, we spent the next year. Uh, doing private sessions and, and working together oh, nice. on this type of thing. And at the next conference, she stood up and did a presentation. And it was such a such an aha moment. So from a non-business, but a, a people side of it, that, that was a, a fun, a really fun piece. Um, and then the the other, uh, I, I think if I had to look back over all of this from a, from a pure accomplishment standpoint, 
what this group did during COVID. Um, as you can imagine, during COVID, our, our core business was doing weddings, uh, taking people to the airport <laughs> for family trips, and doing charter tours up to, win to wineries and craft breweries. And so, as you can imagine, that went pretty quickly down to zero. Uh, but we, we, uh, we experienced a 69% growth through COVID in, yeah. in revenue. And it was really tied to the franchise owners and all of the work that they did to follow the recipe. And what we said was, be very, very loud in a very noisy environment. And the noise was all the news around COVID, right. vaccinations, right. And all these things. I said, we said, be very loud on, on a different channel, on a different avenue. And uh, so, so we did a number of things that were tied to that. And as a result, we ended up opening up mobile vaccination clinics. We were driving PSWs and nurses around. We ended up working for the federal governments on both sides of the border, uh, picking up people at airports and getting to COVID safety houses safely. Uh, we ended up doing PPE special part deliveries in the early days. Oh wow! Uh, we did. We we reprogrammed the app and did grocery store deliveries to people who were unable to leave their home for safety purposes. And the list goes on and on. Uh, but all of this resulted uh, in a in a sustainable and and, and solid growth uh, business through what was just a crazy time. And so now all this stuff is opened back up again, but we've kept some of this other stuff, right? And okay. So, um, it, so it, it just made for a really, really um, challenging and, and, and um, you know, kind of a, a personally, uh, you know, challenging period of time through COVID, but turned the business side of it into some, something that was really quite spectacular. That's awesome. And I, again, for the listeners or the viewers, I should say, not so, well, listeners as well, but the viewers, um, really important that that the leadership team made that shift or the popular word pivoted but you made that shift as opposed to a lot of companies did what we here in pennsylvania we we call deer in the headlights uh they just got stunned you could see that their messages didn't change and of course uh they were the ones that were really lagging or, mm -hmm. or totally falling apart in the pandemic and obviously your numbers prove out that that what you guys did was absolutely the the right turn that you needed to do so um well again as i as i shared with you off uh, off uh, line here about who our audience are uh who, who our audience is i guess um tell me who you're looking for um you're gonna sell you're gonna place uh, you're gonna make an award uh, once a week uh so tell me who you're who you're really looking for who's your ideal uh most successful uh, franchise partner yeah, the uh, while we do, of course, have lots from different uh, backgrounds and different levels of experience, I think the, the ideal franchise partner uh, really has three core attributes, or three, three uh, core pieces of experience. So first is they, they love people um, and, they're, and they're a good communicator as a result, but they really love engaging with their chauffeurs and with the customers. Um, our franchise owners are just completely tied to the customer journey. They've got teams of chauffeurs that are out providing the service itself. They've got head office who's there to support them in the, the recipe, the business model, et cetera. But really they're, they're talking with customers all day long and that could be other businesses. It could be some government officials, but it, it could be consumers as well. So number one, uh, people can see through you if you don't really like talking with them. And, and so uh, we try and evaluate that uh, with them in the very early days. The second piece is we want somebody that wants to grow a large sustainable business for themselves. Uh, we do turn down people who might be very, very well qualified but actually might settle on a smaller revenue number for themselves yeah. uh, because there's just too much business to be had out there. And so we're looking for somebody that says, you know, the, the money isn't the only piece, but it is a very large measuring stick with this. And I am going to build a large sustainable business for myself and my family. Right. Yeah. And the third piece is we are absolutely evaluating every franchise uh, prospect on being a cultural fit with the driver's seat family. Right. And so 
Uh, we spend a lot of time with our franchisees. We like to be part of their, their growth and part of their, their growth journey. Um, they spend a lot of time with us. And so we're, you know, people in the office don't always agree with one another. People in the franchise system don't always agree with one another, but we have to respect one another. And we have to work together to, to, to grow the business. And so uh, we're looking for a good cultural fit. We're looking for great communicators who are passionate people. And we're looking for people who really want to, to truly grow uh, their revenue line. Because again, that's not the only part of success, uh, but it is a, a, a pretty critical part of it. Are there any uh, last quick question on that? And then I do have one final question. Any uh, markets that you've targeted any areas of the North America that uh, that if we have someone listening that's in those areas might want to jump right on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got um, we're, we're we're kind of in in a bit of sellout space in in parts of of Canada now, uh, but there are still some some locations available. So I think if you're in a market, um, our smallest market is thirty thousand people. Our largest market's you know a couple of million people. So um, okay. it, it kind of fits a whole bunch of molds there. Um, in in uh, but right across North America, um, in, in particular, if you're if you're in a market of one to five hundred thousand people, they're typically not always, but typically they're an underserviced market. Um, yeah. So if they're well serviced market in the shuttle business, we still want to be there because we can still be an absolute winning player there. But if yep. they're underserviced, the, the growth just comes that much faster. And so so yeah, so I think I think that the, the important thing here, uh, we know that we've got lots of opportunity, lots of runway ahead of us uh, with the growth that we're we're experiencing right now. Um, you know, that, that'll fill up some of that space, but we still have lots of space to go. Um, and, you know, somebody's just going to want to be part of that journey. It's just part, part of the fun of it. Yeah. And that's a nice, in the States anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a very nice market space. Uh, sure. you, you're sure. not looking for the LA's or the Chicago's or the New York City's kind of thing, or I'm sure you would not turn somebody down, but, but you're looking for, for, you know, I don't know how many cities, uh, in those markets or towns in those markets would fit. Two, so 2,140. 2, there we go. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> All right. Last question. Um, is there anything that I have, we, we haven't talked about anything I haven't asked. And, and it's really something that you would want to share again with, with either people looking for a business for themselves or someone turning their brand into a franchise model, anything last thoughts that you'd want to, you'd want to share. Yeah, I think I think for both of those parties, uh, th- this actually is all about the journey, and so um, it, it's so interesting, right? Se- seventy or seventy plus percent of people want to be entrepreneurs. Only seven percent of people are entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, and I get it. It's it's a quantum leap. I I, I did it. I moved from a, a very high paying corporate position into becoming a franchisee uh, because I wanted uh, I loved the work I was doing, but I just wanted something different. I wanted a balance of life, and I wanted to work uh, locally. Um, and I would never, I would never have, have not done that now looking back. And so, so I get it, but it is about part, part of this is about the journey. And so the, the revenue and the work that you do, um, is, is super important, but it's not what happens every single day. That's just the ta- task. It's the people that you meet and it's the experiences that you get to be part of, um, for, for the franchisors, um, franchising, in my opinion, is just a wonderful way to, to grow a business. And, uh, I love it. And I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, but it's not for everybody. Uh, if you are not a people person, if you don't want to be coaching franchise partners, if you don't want to be, uh, to some degree, sometimes we're, we're their uncle and sometimes we're their police officer and sometimes <laughs> we're their nurse. Uh, but, but um, you know, at the end of the day, you're working with really, really bright people who are passionate about growing their business. 
And, and so if, if you want to try and control what they're doing instead of just advise counsel and help them uh, grow what they do, uh, then it might not be the right, the right uh, you know, growth model for you, right? There's other growth models to yeah. go with. So, so yeah, part, part of this is just actually about the journey, right? It's, it's about enjoying what you do every single day. And it's about uh, understanding that the end game is just what it is. It's the end of the game. Yep. Yep. No, I love it. I love it. And, uh, and I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're sharing. And uh, that's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Brian, for sharing with us. Appreciate it. Hey, Don, th thanks again for having us on. Really appreciate that. You bet. You bet.